Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Can't believe it's already June, the beginning of June. And therefore, my mind at this moment is turned towards something that our parish is doing, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. This will happen in August, August 12th to the 14th. It's our annual Prairie Fest. So please mark your calendar. It's never too early. This is going to go real fast this summer, especially as we prepare for it. This is an event in which we give tours of our grounds, our award-winning grounds. We won awards for our environmental plan, our sustainable environment and water management master plan for our 10-acre property, which is really an outgrowth of the spirituality of the Eastern churches, the Eastern Christian spirituality, that very incarnational, sacramental, liturgical spirituality. We simply apply what goes on inside the church to what happens outside in God's creation. Our parish, as a result, has become really a kind of a model, proud to say, but in all humility, a model for environmental work, environmental consciousness. And we do this, as I said, not out of a trend or a fad, but out of our spirituality. It shows you the relevance of the Eastern spirituality, the genius of the Eastern churches. We also, at this Prairie Fest, have nonstop live music, just about any kind of music you want, especially the Versatones, Eddie Blazanchik and his farewell tour, one of the most famous polka bands in America. It's going to make their farewell tour at our Prairie Fest. So please mark your calendars August 12th to the 14th. That's a Friday to Sunday. Friday to Sunday, August 12th to the 14th at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois. You can go to our website to find out more about it, byzantinecatholic.com, byzantinecatholic.com. 
As we've entered these summer months now, we've also had a very rich week, and one still ahead of us liturgically in the Byzantine Church. We celebrate the Feast of the Ascension. We're in the midst of the Feast of the Ascension, the so-called post-festive. It's one of my favorites because it offers such an affirmation of our origins and our destiny as human beings. Because what happened was Jesus Christ ascends to heaven, meaning he ascends not only in his divinity, but also in his humanity. So he takes our humanity and he literally mounts it on the throne of God. Imagine the human being, the human person, the human body is there in heaven on the very throne of God through the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of Trinity that took on our flesh. In fact, as always, the theological fact, the meaning of all this, is expressed in the liturgy, in the prayers that we say. And here's some of the prayers that we say for the Feast of the Ascension. Again, the Ascension came 40 days after the resurrection of Christ. Ascending in glory today from the Mount of Olives, through your great love, you lifted up our fallen nature and enthroned it with the Father on high. Therefore, the bodiless powers were amazed and filled with awe at seeing your great love for all. Together with them, we who live on earth, glorify your condescension to us and your ascension away from us. Now we implore you, saying, Through your ascension you have filled your apostles and your mother with a joy that surpasses every other joy. And through their intercession, make us worthy of the joy of your elect, for you are rich in mercy. And there's another prayer here, too, that shows you that even the heavenly powers themselves were amazed at this. We sing this then. You have renewed in yourself, O Lord, the human nature which had fallen in Adam into the very depths of the earth. On this day you are raised far above the principalities and powers of heaven. Having so loved human nature, you granted that it may be enthroned with you. In your compassion, you united it with yourself. In union with it, you have suffered, and by your passion, you glorified it. O God, beyond all suffering, now the bodiless powers are saying, Who is this man clothed in majesty? He is not only a man, but is indeed the God-man. For he possesses the appearance of both. And the angels, arrayed in splendid garments, encircle the apostles, saying, As Jesus, the God-man, is separated from you in his divine humanity, he shall come again to judge both the living and the dead. And he grants to all the faithful forgiveness of sins and great mercy. As you can see then, we mentioned that the feast day of ascension is a remarkable affirmation of the true, true nature, origins, and destiny of us as humans. And you heard it right here in the liturgical text. I'm going to just do one more because I'm so excited about these things. We pray these prayers. O Christ, when the powers of heaven beheld your ascension from the Mount of Olives, they wondered and exclaimed, Who is he? And they heard the reply, He's the mighty conqueror. He's the mighty one in battle. He is indeed the king of glory. And why are his clothes crimson? Because he comes from Bosor, which is the flesh. As for you, O Christ, since you are God, you are enthroned at the right hand of God the Father, and you send down upon us the Holy Spirit, that he may enlighten us and save our souls. And that verse, that chant, that prayer, was based, of course, on the 62nd, 63rd chapters of Isaiah, where it says this, Pass through, pass through the gates, prepare the way for the peoples, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, raise up a standard over the nations. See the Lord proclaims to the ends of the earth, Say to daughter Zion, your Savior comes. Here is his reward with him. 
his recompense before him. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called frequented, the city that is not forsaken. Who is it that comes from Edom in crimson garments from Bozrah? This one arrayed in majesty, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I, I who announce vindication, I who am mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like those of the winepresser? The winepress I have trodden alone, and of my people there was no one with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them down in my wrath. Their blood spurted out of my garments, and my apparel I stained. For the day of vengeance was in my heart. My year for redeeming was at hand. And it goes on. But again, the chapter 62 and 63 from the book of Isaiah, prefiguring you know, the, the, sort of the type of the archetype of Christ's ascension into heaven. So it's a marvelous feast day. But we also have now today what we call in the Byzantine liturgical calendar the Sunday of the Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council. This was the first council in Nicaea in 325 A.D. This is the one in which we get what we call today, the in the Eastern Church, we call it the symbol of faith. In the West, and in English, it's more commonly known as the creed or the sometimes called the I believe. And in fact, in the church Slavonic, the ancient language, mother tongue of my particular church and of many Byzantine Catholic Slavic churches and Orthodox churches, we say the, the word, we call it viruyu, which is the first two words, I believe, viruyu. But it's also known as, of course, the creed. Now, the reason for this difference is that since the beginning of Christianity, the Greek word symbol or symbolon referred to the profession of faith because it was like a sign or a seal. It meant like a, like a ring. And it was meant also that something was approved, you know, to approve the summaries of the basic beliefs of the church. And these brief summaries or formulas were called the symbol of faith. Now, in the West, when the Greek language was replaced by Latin, these formularies were simply called credo, which is Latin for I believe, from their first word, which in English is rendered as creed. So, we have symbol from the Greek, which is how we refer to the creed in the Eastern Church. We have the creed, and then we have the I believe. Now, the creed was actually part of, the creed we know today is called, really, technically it's called the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed. That's a real mouthful. Let me say it again. The Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, sort of a hyphenated word there. The reason is, is because it was essentially the a creed that was affirmed by two councils, actually three councils, but two in particular, the first one in Nicaea that we talked about today, and also the one in Constantinople. You see, what happened was in the first few centuries of the church, a heresy arose. Actually, there was, there was always some kind of heresy or more than one at the time, but one of the biggest heresies in the history of the church happened in the early fourth century. This was called the Arian heresy. It was by a monk named Arius. And what he taught was that Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was not really fully God. So it kind of diminished the, really the person, the, the quality, as it were, the character of Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully man. And this was a very deep-seated and prevalent heresy and a very, very dangerous one. In fact, one that gets actually recycled today, I believe, in many ways. Whenever we act casually towards belief and towards God and towards one another, we're really, what that really is, is based in a kind of an attitude of diminishing God, diminishing who Jesus Christ really was, that he was in fact God and also man all at the same time. So we kind of recycle, and we see this a lot of times in, especially in 
specials or documentaries on TV or sometimes movies that want to portray Christ or search for the historical Christ. Or some of them are kind of interesting, but they, they tend to kind of diminish the divinity of Christ. They kind of turn him into just kind of a, a very special, unusual, exceptional human being. Well, this is actually the Arian heresy recycled. It's very, very dangerous because we don't believe fully that he was fully God and fully man, and we've got an entirely different reality. And from that reality, all kinds of bad things can happen, actually, because everything comes down to the one great mystery of the incarnation, that the invisible God became visible through the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk more about this and importance of this council when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. To find out how you can obtain a copy of the Theosis CD, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. The Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, Theosis CD. And may God grant you... You're listening to... Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Do you have trouble with some of the teachings of the Church? Well, I have good news for you. I am Father Thomas J. Loya with a... Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. In a sense, the church has no teachings. It is God who has the teachings. It is God who created the divine order of things, and the church simply points to that order and says, be honest to that order and you will be happy. The why behind what the church says about any moral issue has to do with whether or not we are telling a truth or telling a lie with the language of our bodies. If we are honest with the language of our body, we'll be holy and therefore happy. Being dishonest with the language of our bodies results in hurt and therefore unhappiness. Almighty God and the church want us all to be happy. Having a problem with church teachings really means having a problem with God and of not understanding the theology of the body. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. And once again, I want to remind you to mark your calendars and come on out to Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish in Homer Glen, Illinois, on Friday, August 12th through Sunday, August 14th for our big annual Prairie Fest. Lots of music, live music, lots of dancing, good food, tours of the church, tours of the prairie, all kinds of fun, good company. You can find out about it by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. It's never too early to mark those calendars. So remember, Friday, August 12th to Sunday, August 14th. We're talking about the fathers of the first Nicene Council of 325 and why this creed is so important. The first part of it, why it's called Nicene Council, because it dealt with 
the affirmation of the divinity of Christ, that yes, he was fully man, but also fully God, you know, both and. Question the end. Truth is always in the both and. You can't separate things into either or, especially with theology, with dogma, doctrine. But there's another part of this that started to happen, another heresy that began to crop up, kind of as a spin-off of the Arian heresy, and that was the heresy that really denied who the Holy Spirit was, the third person of the Trinity. So there was another council of Constantinople in 381 that affirmed the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was indeed divine and third person Trinity. And this came as a result of a lot of the work of another great Byzantine saint, Saint Basil the Great. Then later on, this whole creed, they put the two together, they added to the original Nicene Creed, and the whole thing then was reconfirmed by the Council of Chalcedon. And that happened in 451 AD. So we had basically three major councils that ratified the creed as we know it today, or what we call in the Eastern Church the symbol of faith. Now, this creed, I'm going to show you how it works, basically how the two of them come together. The first part that I'm going to read is the symbol of faith as referring to Jesus Christ. And this is how we do it in the Eastern Church. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, the only begotten, born of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made, who for us men and of our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate from the Holy Spirit, and married the Virgin, and became man. He was also crucified for us under Pontius Pilate and suffered and was buried. And he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is actually, this point here is where the creed of the Nicene Council or the Nicene symbol ends. It was later determined that the Holy Spirit had to be affirmed, so they added at the Council of Constantinople the rest of the creed as we know it. It goes like this. The Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who together with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, I profess one baptism for the remission of sins. I expect the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. St. Cyril Jerusalem says of this, The articles of faith were not composed as seemed good to man, but the most important points of Christian doctrine were collected out of Scripture and made up in one complete teaching of the faith. Take heed then, brethren, and hold fast the traditions which you now receive and write them on the table of your heart. And that was St. Cyril Jerusalem speaking about this creed, the symbol of faith, as you call it in the Eastern churches. That's from his Catechism Lectures 5 and 12. Now, The creed, if you notice, as I read it to you, as we say it in the Eastern churches, did not have what is known as the filioque. In other words, the part that says that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. And now, you may recall this was a great controversy, and still is to a certain extent, between the Eastern lung of the church and Western lung of the church, or in particular, the Eastern Orthodox churches and the Roman Catholic Church. That addition of the words and the Son, which in Latin they call the filioque, was put into the creed much later by the Western Church. And this became a part of great consternation by the Eastern Church because they interpret this as creating a a, a different kind of trinity, like a heresy, even though that was not what it was meant to be. But the reason the Latin Rite did it, the Western Church put the filioque into the creed, was because it was at the time battling the Arian heresy. So that the Eastern Church had already battled the Arian heresy and in a sense had kind of moved beyond it. But now it raised its ugly head in the West, And so the Western Church decided 
in time. It wasn't always that way. The Pope actually disagreed with putting the Filioque in. But eventually it got put in there in the decree, and especially in the Western churches. And the reason was to affirm the divinity of Jesus Christ. So the creed would then read that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. In other words, by putting and the Son, they were trying to make sure that the Son was seen and believed in as equal to the Father, because that was, of course, the problem with the urn heresy. Well, to the East, they thought this was unnecessary in the way they understood it, because remember, you're talking about one lung of the church speaking primarily Latin, the other one speaking and writing primarily in Greek. And sometimes these words don't line up exactly. And when that wouldn't happen, many times either side or both would accuse each other of a heresy. But of course, there wasn't really a heresy. It was just how they were explaining it and why. So in any event, the East doesn't use the filioque. Both ways of saying the creed are valid in their own way. Now, this symbol of faith is always sung and chanted in the liturgy of the Byzantine church, to every liturgy, everyone. And it is done with a great deal of fervor. I want to just demonstrate that to you by listening to a few examples of this. One of them is from the choir of the Russian Orthodox Cathedral in Paris, a well-known CD with the director Eugene Evitz and the famous choir and tenor Nikolai Geda. Now, notice in all these examples, I'm going to give you three, notice how there's a very strong introduction, very powerful introduction to this. This particular one, your first one you're going to hear, the introduction has a female soloist backed up by the choir. And they always come in very strong with the video, the I believe. Let's listen. Okay, I think you can see from that the kind of the, the, the burst, the enthusiasm. There's another example, too, similar but yet different in its own way, also very beautiful. This is from the great mixed Bulgarian choir conducted by Dmitry Yuskov. And this is, once again, the creed, the video, and notice the power of its entrance as the choir comes in to chant it. I think you can see from that example that there is a great seriousness taken in the Eastern churches, especially in our liturgy, to this symbol of faith. It's always done in some kind of very, very powerful way. This version of the creed comes from the CD, The Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom of the Byzantine Slavonic Rite. 
sung by the Chorale Sophia under the direction of Dmitry Ruskov. Listen now to the entirety of the I Believe, the Creed, sung in the Church Slavonic. Hopefully from that, you can see how seriously the Eastern Churches takes this symbol of faith. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. CRI, CatholicRadioInternational.com